The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. When the Facts Change is brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network, in partnership with Kiwi Bank. The bank for Kiwi, looking to get ahead in business and in life. A bank that delivers expertise and banking know-how, smart advice for business owners wanting to invest, grow their business or diversify. A bank that adapts with technology through the lens of its people and customers. It is a bank with heart that is driven by its purpose. Kiwi making Kiwi better off. Have you ever been online for hours or staring into your phone for an awful long time and you start to get an anxiety? A feeling like, I just wish I could get all those emails out of my box or shut down all my browsers and make sure that whoever's trying to reach me just goes away. Our phones, our technology have tapped into our anxieties in a quite intrusive and sneaky way. And you can see why a lot of people get very nervous and anxious when they're using their devices. A lot of the fight or flight chemicals that race around our brain are being used by all sorts of people to get what they want. It might be a a gaming company. It might be a social media company. But it's also scammers who use that sense of slight panic, anxiety, and desperation to just get it off your screen to move on quickly, to get you and get your money. This week on When the Facts Change, we look at bank scams. What are the instincts that are weaponized against us to get us to not only give away information, but often do the work for the scammers? We talk to Sarita Fraser, who is a senior fraud investigator at Kiwi Bank, and we go through the various different types of scams and frauds, the phishing, the schmishing, and even go to the point of working out the types of, and even go to find out about the scammers who target people who've already been scammed before. In this week's When the Facts Change, we come up with some tactics and techniques, some advice for some relatives and friends, you know, asking for a friend, uh, how to uh, protect yourself and how to recognise when your worst instincts are being targeted by the worst people. Kia ora, and welcome to When the Facts Change to Sarita Fraser, a senior fraud investigator, part of a team of 25 at Kiwi Bank. Lovely to see you, Sarita. Uh, lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, it's been a busy time for the bank and for lots of people uh, dealing with uh, uh, fraud and scams on bank customers. And it's been a growing issue that um, a lot in the industry and, and around the Motu have, have been worried about. Could you give us a sense of the sort of scams and frauds that you're seeing and having to investigate with your team of 25? Sure. Um, I guess some of the scams, there are a lot of scams on the go at the moment. Um, 
But some of the main ones that we are currently facing and probably the biggest would be um, phishing. Um, so we either have um, email, um, which is when you receive a link um, from someone um, purporting to be a credible source, so maybe from your bank, um, from the Inland Revenue um, or NZ um, Transport. And then there's also what we call smishing, so that's when you get an SMS text through to your mobile phone, again claiming to be from your bank, um, IID or any any of the well um known companies within New Zealand that are known trusted brands. So how do you know that it's not the NZTA or the police or the IRD? Um, I'm thinking for a friend or maybe my mum who's maybe not familiar with what a URL is and, and what's the difference between a, you know, a .com and a .au or a .net or whatever. Can you tell us how do we know it's a phishing or a smishing exercise? Yeah, I guess with um, with phishing and smishing, um, there is a sense of urgency. It wants you to act really quickly. Um, it would still instill a wee bit of fear in you, so that you are going to act really quickly. So you you don't take that time to to think about what it is that you're actually doing. Um, so you're looking out for things like if, if it says it's from Kiwi Bank. Um, I guess the one thing to remember is that we will never send you a text message asking for pins or passwords or to click on a link. Um, I don't think any bank or reputable company would actually send you a text message and ask you to click on a link. Um, In addition to that, um, you will get the text messages. They'll come through from either an overseas number. That's a big red flag. Um, Also coming through from a mobile phone number. Um, so any genuine um, text messages will come through from a short code. I think Kiwi Banks come from the number 4336. Um, so anything over and above that, um, you can pretty much guarantee that it is a scam. Uh, same with your emails. Um, the email might come through and will ask you to click on a link and, and update your details in some particular site or claim that you're locked out of internet banking or that your accounts are at risk. Um and I guess the one thing to mention about that is if your accounts are getting hacked and they are at risk, we're going to give you a call. Um, we're not going to send you out a link in the hope that you're going to click that and provide all your details and, and secure your account. So um, I think also with the text messages, they come through to your phone and with technology today, everybody is just so busy and it really is just so easy. So it's making sure that when you're checking your emails and you're checking your text messages, they actually just take a step back and just think, does this seem like it might be legitimate or a scam? If you have to stop and think, I mean, trust your gut. You're probably probably right that it is a scam. Because it seems to me that the scammers are using a couple of our basic instincts against ourselves. Firstly, an instinct we've developed, I think, in an online world to do things quickly to clear things off our desktops, to get to the bottom of our email, to just get it out of my face because it's painful. And then there's the aspect of, oh, someone's in my mobile phone telling me I've done something wrong and that I can fix it just by pushing this button or uh, that uh, I'm under threat. And the whole fight versus flight thing takes hold. And, you know, we're all quite... I think anxious and nervous, particularly the last few years, a lot of 
people have spent a lot of time online and they just want to go away. What are the other tactics you can use to um, avoid being tricked into panicking or or just just swiping your way to a problem? And your your example of you know taking a breath and thinking, hmm, this doesn't quite smell right, and taking some time. But is there any other way to avoid these sorts of things? Mm. I mean, I guess coming back to the fact that we lead such busy lives, and, and scammers will. You know they will they will prey on the fact that we are busy and the hope that you are busy and that you will just click. Um, so any text messages that do come through to you, um, if it's from your bank, delete it. Give your bank a call on the on the number on the back of your card, um, or, or whatever company they may um, purport to be from. Look them up on you know on the internet on the number that you know is true and correct, um, and find out whether or not they have given you a call. Yeah, because um, some of these scams are quite inventive. And if you were being way too fair, you could almost sort of admire their uh, their inventiveness. <laughs> Can you give us yeah. a sense of some of the scams that you've seen and the ways that are monstrously clever that have tricked people? Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I hate to give scammers credit, um, but the types of scams that we see at the moment, they really are sophisticated, you know, making it really hard to tell a scam from a genuine opportunity. And I guess a couple of examples would be the text messages, the phishing messages that we've seen. We usually see them around tax time. Um, you may get one from IRD telling you that you're, you're due a refund for $450 or whatever the amount might be. And, you know, it's just past the 31st of March. So people are thinking, oh, yes, I'm due a tax refund. So they click away, enter in their card details, but they don't get a refund. They, they get their account drained. Um, but they sort of go hand in hand. Um, in addition, there is the likes of waka kotahi, the text messages that will come out or the emails that will come out telling you that your, your registration is due. Um, actually go and have a look check your vehicle and, and see when it's due. Don't just rely on, you know, what pops up on your screen. Don't take everything at face value. Actually double check. Otherwise, within a click of a few buttons, you can just watch your money just disappear within seconds. Yeah. And what are the what are the banks doing and what is Kiwi Bank doing to help people avoid uh, being tricked? Because I'm I'm guessing there must be ways in which banks know some of the um, places that money is sent and can detect it through the systems, but also uh, various ways to ensure that people um, don't uh, get scammed or that there's some friction in the system to stop stop it being very easy to give people access or to send people money that who shouldn't be getting it. Yeah, so at Kiwi Bank, we have a number of fraud detection tools in place. Um, so we have one that monitors um, visa debit and credit card transactions. So they're cu- current, you know, constantly monitoring all the transactions that are going through, um, looking for anything that is unusual. Um, if we do come across anything, the system will actually block the card, giving us the ability to reach out to the customer and, and double check whether or not they've actually made those transactions or not. Obviously, if it does work out to be fraud, we manage to prevent any further uh, fraud from happening, so saving money that way. Uh, We also have an internet banking tool, so this will monitor all internet banking payments, so whether that be um, international payments, uh, payments between KiwiBank accounts and also between external banks. 
again, giving us the opportunity to reach out to our customers and double check whether or not they have authorised that payment. Obviously, if they haven't, we can reach out to the other bank, alert them and ask them to hold the payment. Yeah. Have you got a sense of, you know, how how many attacks there are and and what sort of scale? With your team of 25, it sounds like something that a lot of work has to be done on. Absolutely. I mean, it, like I said before, we have a, a 24, pretty much a 24-7 team. So these these payments are, are constantly running through our, our tools. Um, and they'll alert for one of our detection analysts to take a look at. And we do get quite a lot a day and we absolutely manage to prevent, you know, unauthorised transactions, which is really great. Um, but yeah, putting a number on it might be a little bit difficult. And just thinking about... Um compensation or uh, people being able to um, uh, be protected. I know that sometimes when someone steals your credit card number and uses it to do things, um, there can be a a refund, if you like. But what are the risks for people um, who, through their own actions, um, respond to a a phishing or schmishing message or somehow tricked? into sending money away, what are the risks there for the customers? Um, I mean, I guess the risks are huge, um, but any losses, we do look at all of those on a case-by-case basis. So it really does depend on, um, you know, the type of scam, um, you know, how credible it looked. Did it look exactly like, um, you know, the Kiwi Bank website? Or was, you know, was it a phishing text message that was full of spelling mistakes? And, you know, were there lots of red flags? But it's really hard to, I guess, put a, a blanket sort of decision on whether we would, you know, assist customers with reimbursement or not. So definitely as a, a case by case. When the Facts Change is brought to you in partnership with KiwiBank to help you understand the issues affecting the economy. And that's what their team of experts is here to do too. Here's KiwiBank's Chief Economist Jared Kerr with his prediction on what we can expect from the housing market and interest rates for 2024. We've seen quite a correction in housing across the country. So house prices fell from the lofty levels that we saw in 2021. The Reserve Bank has pushed house prices down by design and by lifting interest rates to very eye-watering levels. I think the housing market has found a bottom and I think we'll see house prices rising over 2024 and into 25-26. The housing market will be better balanced We have seen a a surge in migrants, which is adding demand to the housing market. And I think we'll see house prices naturally lift on the back of that surge in migration and uh, hopefully an easing in interest rates later on. Visit kiwibank.co.nz to stay up to date with detailed economic analysis and forecasts from Jared and other KiwiBank experts. They take big issues from both here and overseas and make them relevant to Kiwi businesses. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has the lowdown on everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. Join some of the superstars of the investment and business world as they share advice from their time in the US so you can make your mahi count in this massive market. The Investment Fix Podcast, brought to you by Invest New Zealand. Tune in today. And what about the embarrassment problem? It's it's amazing how the scammers will use our our um, 
our vulnerabilities against us. I've talked about the fight or flight and the just clear it off my desktop, do it fast issues. But also there's the, oh no, I've given the money to some scammer. This is embarrassing. <laughs> I've, I've made a mistake here and I've, I've lost money. But what should people do in that situation? Because there is a, you know, if the money isn't that huge, maybe there's a temptation not to say anything. But what's, what, what should customers do? I mean, the sooner you realise you've been scammed, um, the sooner you let us know, the sooner we can actually take some action. We can freeze your bank account to prevent any more money going out. Um, and the sooner we get onto it, the sooner we have a better outcome and, you know, potentially recovering your money. But I think everyone knows with scams, there is such a stigma attached where, you know, there's a sense of shame or embarrassment. Um, you know, they don't want to tell people. So, so many scams just go unreported. Um, so what we do get reported, there's, there's a huge amount. I mean, we have thousands of customers falling victim every day and millions of dollars just walking out of the bank. So, yeah, the sooner people report it, the better. And I think, you know, there is a, a lot to be said about um, awareness and education. Like, unless you actually talk about the types of scams that are out there, you know, get out and talk to your parents, um, talk to your friends, talk to your family, um, your neighbours, so that they themselves can also be educated and, and know what the red flags are and what to look out for uh, in the hope that they also don't become victim to scams. But I definitely don't think that we should be blaming people uh, for falling victim. Mm. I always say the blame belongs with the scammers because they have absolutely no conscience whatsoever. I mean, they'll take your last $10 or they'll take a million dollars. They really, they don't care. I mean, I guess they do it as a day job. So they're professional. They're really good at what they do. Um, like I said, I don't like to give them credit. Um, but it's really, yeah, we've got to make sure we try and keep ahead of the scammers. Um, but it's a bit like a whack-a-mole. I know lots of people have probably heard that term before. Um, but any time we, we come across a new scam um, and we manage to shut that down, they're on to the next one and the next one and so on. So Because this is a global game and we've heard reports that state-sponsored uh, or um, large organisation-sponsored mafia-type arrangements, you know, we're talking uh, boiler rooms full of um, people uh, dreaming up new ways to scam using their uh, very... Uh, sophisticated uh, hacking uh, and uh, uh, programming techniques to to do this and doing it at an industrial scale. That's one of the good or bad things about the internet is you can reach an awful lot of people if you do the code right and and use the networks. Uh, so I'm I'm curious about uh, how New Zealand can learn from the um, the scams that have been done overseas because we're probably at the end of the line. And as you say, with the whack-a-mole, um, if, if they've been doing it in Europe or the United States or anyone else, they've probably tried their first. <laughs> when that when that, that mole was whacked <laughs> in Europe, um, they come down here. How do you make sure that you're um, learning and, and staying on top of it? Because it, it sounds a bit like an arms race. Indeed. Um, so it really is making sure that we, I mean, that the fraud landscape itself is such an evolving um, landscape and it changes every day. Um, so we, we as a team make sure we, we try and keep up today and, you know, scouring the news about, you know, what scams are happening overseas because they happen overseas and then they come to New Zealand. So, we're, you know, trying to, I guess, get ahead of the game um, so that we know exactly what to look out for. 
Um, we also have um, some detections um, experts who are constantly um, writing and changing new rules within our internet banking and card systems to make sure that we are picking up all these new types of scams as well. Um, but yeah, really is just making sure that we try and keep up with what's happening um, within the world um, because it will hit us next um, and trying to keep ahead of the scammers is, yeah. <laughs> because in a way, um, a lot of these scammers are using machine learning and um, the ability to weaponize um, large chunks of computing power and the ability to um, hunt out, sniff out the, the vulnerabilities and systems. How are you making sure that you're working with your tech teams and your um, your programmers and the likes to ensure that, uh, hey, there's, um, there's uh, uh, the moles are after this particular uh, hole in the way that people use their banks, banking systems. That must be a big part of the deal. Yeah. I mean, the technical experts that we have in the team also work closely with the likes of um, other technical experts within the industry across banking, um, things like the telcos as well. Um, so they all have their, um, I guess, their working groups where they can look at um, ways that we can prevent um, this sort of thing from happening. So it is constantly being looked at. Yeah. And just finally, um, thinking about my mum, who is is not the most uh, adept with her smartphones and mobile phones um, to the to the point where um, sometimes I'm quite happy that she she's shut down the phone and and hasn't got it up and running again. Uh, but how 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 what would you say to your mum or your your mum in law uh, about the things to avoid doing and the things to watch out for? Mm. I guess if I try and keep it simple, I always like to say to people, um, you know, is anyone anyone calls you, texts you or emails you and starts talking about banking or money, that's a huge red flag just to end the call, delete the text, delete the email and actually ring your bank. And, and what about the whole uh, issue of, you know, people forming relationships online that have, that's, that have finally start to turn to something. Romance. Yes, the romance scams. Yeah. And I guess one of the, a red flag in itself or something I would always say to people is you should never give money to anyone that you've never met in person, especially someone that you've met online. You know, they'll claim to be um, someone that they're not. There are so many you know, fake dating profiles that are set up online. And they've always got the most fantastic bodies. Oh, they this do. is always the thing. You see, see the pictures and you think, that's that's way too much bodybuilding there. Mm. So you can reverse image search people. Um, so if you have met someone online, you know, take their picture, reverse image search it. It's amazing how many times that will come up with multiple profiles, even just within, you know, the likes of Facebook or Instagram. Yeah, they really do prey on, you know, the fact that people are out there looking for friendship or, you know, looking for romance. Um, I definitely think it's something we saw a huge increase after COVID. Yeah, that was one of the one of the things I was going to ask about. During COVID, we did spend a lot of time online um, because we couldn't be offline <laughs> offline in a way. People were lonely, isolated. Yeah. Yeah, and also people were using their computers and their phones to do a lot more than they were in the past and relying on it 
and trusting it. Uh, and I suppose that's one of the basic issues. Yeah. Our online worlds have become so um, entwined in our lives and in some ways so part of our lives we can't get by <laughs> without it. And uh, that has been used against us in a way. Indeed. Um, I mean, whether it's a romance or a friendship, and I, I think as Kiwis we are um, we are very trusting by nature. Um, and, you know, so, someone meeting somebody online, and they may not be after romance, they may have just been after, a, you know, a bit of a conversation here and there, and, you know, they build up trust with you. Um, this could be gone, ongoing for months or weeks, um, even a year before they start asking for money. Um, and, you know, th there'll always be some kind of urgency or an emergency as to why they need money and, you know, preying on people's willingness to, you know, to help somebody. But really, it, it, it's all just a bit of a ruse. Um, they'll say anything um, to get money from you. And just, just finally, uh, um, you know, sometimes people actually talk to real people on the other end of the phone um, when they're doing these scams. And I, I always love those stories of, uh, the people who are being scammed turning the tables and effect effectively realizing that they're, they're being scammed and and then grabbing information and um, harassing, if you like, harassing back. Have you ever been in a situation where you've actually managed to talk to one of the scammers and you know have a conversation and try to work out where they are and who they are and, and what their mobile phone number is? Um, I have in the past spoken to scammers. Um, we had a a particular woman, um, I think she was actually in a news article earlier in the year, having taken advantage of multiple, I think it was ANZ customers. And she's actually done the rounds at, at most of the banks. Um, so she would call through with the information. She would have enough information that she would have scammed out of our customers over the phone. And then she would call through to our contact centre and impersonate them. Um, the, the call centre staff got quite used to hearing her voice so that they would put the call through to us so we could have a bit of a chat with her. But she would quite quickly um, hang up on us. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think with, with customers or with victims, if if you do realise that you are part of a scam, is you know, just to block the person and report them on the platform. Um, I, I find that people who fall victim to scams will... I guess also if you turn nasty, they will, um, you know, add your email or your phone number to a list that gets circulated um, and you will be bombarded with all sorts of scams. I think that's another really big scam at the moment is a recovery scam. Um, so that's, I guess, preying on someone who has already fallen victim and, and lost money financially. Um, they'll approach them and whether or not it's within days, weeks or months, um, they'll tell them that they've managed to recover some of their money, just have to pay an upfront fee oh. of 15%. But really it's just another way, um, just another kick in the guts, another way just to take more of your money. There's an extra special type of evil when someone does that. Yeah, and I'm guessing that people actually share this information around. So once you've had success with someone, you you flick it into the the dark web or whatever, and um, mm -hmm. squeeze squeeze someone even even drier. Indeed. Yeah. Sarita Fraser, um, thank you very much for being on When the Facts Change. Great to to hear about some of the bad things, but also how to protect yourself and how to to um, hit back at them a bit. Appreciate your time. All right, thanks for having me. 
When the Facts Change was brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network, together with KiwiBank. Visit kiwibank.co.nz to find out how KiwiBank are making Kiwi better off. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.